It's time to get it, and you know how we get it. Americano! The podcast about all things business and personal growth with your host, Eric Vonheim. Today, I would like to welcome Nick Fusco to the show. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, man. I'm doing really good. Excellent. And where are you calling in today from, Nick? Uh, I'm actually calling in from New York City. Just taking a little bit of a break away from the water so I get into the city for a little while. Yeah. So is it is it just really cold out there right now? Tell, tell us what's like in the city right now. Uh, well, it's it's a lot busier than what I'm used to, but it is definitely a lot colder than the Caribbean. Yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely right. I mean, so you okay? So you traded the Caribbean for New York City. What was the particular reason for that? I kind of just miss being around civilization. Um, like uh, I miss the convenience of being in a city. Uh, like living over in the Caribbean, it's beautiful, it's stunning, but you know, you kind of, I kind of miss the hustle and bustle of a busy, busy city. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly New York city has a lot of hustle and bustle. There are so many people that, uh, you know, just even crossing an intersection is, is a bit of a challenge, right? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. There's so many cars here that I'm used to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let, let's jump right in here. So you mentioned the Caribbean, which is obviously, you know, I think for many of us and, uh, that are on the grind and that hustle and bustle, we're always sort of dreaming about getting to the Caribbean and you actually came the other way. So, Let's talk a little bit about the Caribbean and a little bit about your background, and maybe you can just kind of uh, jump right in and, and tell us uh, a little bit about who was Nick and, uh, you know, where were you born and, and where are you currently living uh, today? Um, well, as you said, my name is Nick Fusco. I'm 29 years old, just sailing around just as much as I can. And um, yeah, so just Nick Fusco, I've been sailing for about 14 years now. I've been teaching for a majority of that, uh, started back in Ireland. And, you know, I never really thought that sailing would take me this far all around the world. And, you know, really, it's all really just kind of taken off over the past couple of years, you know? Yeah. And so you were, so you were born and raised in Ireland. Born and raised in Ireland um, and uh, Dublin, kind of South Dublin. That's uh, such a beautiful country. Oh, mate, you know, I miss it terribly, but uh, Mm. I don't miss the weather all that much. Yeah, so you know, it's it's kind of like New York City a little bit right now, right? <laughs> a little rainy, a little cold. <laughs> a little bit rainy, a little bit cold, a little bit gray, but you know, just as long as you know, the drinks and the pubs are open and drinks are cold, everything's going to be good. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about before we kind of move into the sailing world. Uh, tell us a little bit about Ireland. Uh, what was your your childhood like? I mean, it's I would imagine at some point you were introduced to sailing at a young age that probably sort of kicked this whole thing off. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Um. Well, I was you know I went to I went to ordinary ordinary schools. Um. I kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, but the way I got into sailing was actually a little bit of a weird one. I did, I studied martial arts for a long time. I started that when I was nine years old and I kept on doing that till I was about 15. Mm-hmm. When I was 15, I was teaching, um, in a summer camp and there was a girl that I, that I fancied, um, like this girl when I was 15 and, you know, we were teaching and I said, Hey, are you working next week? She says, no, I'm doing a sailing course. And I thought to myself, huh? If you're doing a sailing course, not I'm doing a sailing course, and we're both just going to fall in love. And that's how I got into it. You know, my parents never sailed. Um, my brother never sailed. So it was, it, was, it was totally out of the norm for, for my family, you know. Yeah, and so, you, were, you were 15 at this point? 15 at the time, yeah. This is teenage yeah. love. So you fell head over heels for her, and you were willing just to change your whole trajectory in life. Yeah, it was, 
I, like, I never really thought it would change the trajectory. You know, I was just kind of like a horny 15 year old and I thought, well, this could work. And, <laughs> you know, it turns out you don't look that great when you're just wearing nothing but a wetsuit and you're 15 years old and your voice is breaking, you're spotting, you're like, oh God, there's definitely been, I've definitely looked better. Yeah. Um, but she was actually, she was actually in like um, a higher level. So she was like level three is what we would have called, is what we call in the dinghy sailing. And I was level nothing. So I had to really work hard to try and catch up with her. Um, and I suppose I was always a kid that learns by doing. Okay. And that's kind of where sailing kind of works for me because I had to go out there and actually get involved and get my hands dirty, so to speak. Yeah. What was um, it like in I, the beginning for you, you know, coming from the martial arts background, you're at a very young age. Um, obviously you're, you're, you're trying to follow this girl, but at some point you have to learn how to, what sailing is all about. I mean, tell us about day one. How do you, how do you start that transition or how do you get on that path? Well, for me in Ireland, there was, um, it was, a I went to a school called the Irish National Sailing School and Club. And in Ireland, there's a very kind of big sailing community and, more more to do with yacht clubs and it's hard for an outsider to get involved with that and this this school they had everything that you needed they had wetsuits they had you know the boots that you wear in the water windbreakers they had the boats they had amazing instructors and you know just kind of them spurring me on and kind of making me come back week to week and it was it was it was really amazing um like day one you're sitting there and you know you're told that you're going to go sailing in the water on your own and you're just like oh my god like <laughs> isn't the water wet and cold like yeah can we not like release into us now did but you have any type like of day one did you have a visual of what sailing looked like to you i mean did you have any familiarity before you were a young man on this path well like i i like i said like i grew up by the water um like Dublin's a like coastal city, and I would always see like the big boats going out, and I remember seeing on like a Tuesday, like afternoon, as kind of we were we were finishing up for for the summer or like one of the days on the camp, the all these all the big yachts went out, and I kind of looked at them and I was like, God, what do you have to do to like be sailing one of those? Because I was only sailing like on a little boat on my own. Okay, and I just saw these giant big boats, and I was like, How the hell do I get to there? And I just kept on asking the questions and, you know, I just kept on plugging away at it, you know, week in and week out. Mm -hmm. So you had a tremendous amount of perseverance at a young age to pursue this. Yeah. And I suppose that's kind of where the the martial arts kind of kicked in as well. Because you always, you know, whenever you're learning, you know, obviously you're like, you're, you're sparring, you like, you've got all the pads on and you've constantly got to persevere and stay motivated like you start off on your white belt and then you work hard and you get up to like higher grades and you get your black belt so like i suppose i persevered through that so i could easily have pers- i easily persevered through um through sailing so yeah you're kind of just always staying motivated always keeping an eye on the prize you know always trying to aim for something higher whether it was a higher belt or a bigger boat you know yeah and do you feel like some of that originated from your childhood how you were raised uh was it sort of um you know, uh, focused on perseverance and discipline uh, towards goals? Yeah, like my dad, um, he grew up in Belfast and he he wanted to get out of Belfast because it was during the Troubles. And he always like, you know, made sure that like he worked hard to get to where he was. So he always pushed my brother and I to like work hard, stay focused on goals, like whether it was to do with school or sports, you know, really, really kept on at it. And, you know, my mom was always really supportive of, you know, trying to like get me to the lessons 
get me down to the down to the down to the summer camps and all that. So like they they pushed me along the entire way, even on days where I didn't want to go. My dad said, "Look, you've started this. You know, you really just got to keep on seeing it through." Yeah. You know, you know that seems to be a common theme with a lot of the people I talk to in life is that. It really starts at a young age, right? I mean, if, you, if you're in an environment, uh, whether it's your immediate family, parents, uh, or just close relatives or friends that care, the, the ones that tend to have a lot of success are the ones that are in environments where there is that, you know, the extra push or that focus or words of encouragement and not allowing people to kind of give up and remind them why they're on the path and uh, how that path can kind of benefit them in life, right? Yeah, Absolutely. You just, you really need that like supportive team around you the whole time and family, friends, and even like the friends that I got in that sailing course, you know, we were always like trying to teach each other and motivate each other just to keep on going. Even like when you fall in the water and you're cold, you know, you get the person back into the boat and it's like, come on, we can do this. We can like sail in the whole way and everybody kind of pushed each other on in that little club. That's fantastic. So you go through this course and how many years are you in that particular school? Oh. Well, I stayed in the school for a long time. Um, I I stuck at it for I was I was attending the summer camps and kind of during the winter time I was attending like their Saturdays um, and I did like a Saturday nine to five and so I kind of stuck at that for for over two years and then one day I was on the I was walking back from school and the the principal that's what we called him uh, mm-hmm. the principal of the sailing school called me and said you know hey we want you to come down and work for us this summer as like an assistant instructor. And I, I'll still never forget like how excited I was when I got the call. So, you know, even though like I started working, I was still training to become an instructor and I started studying more advanced techniques when I wasn't teaching through yeah. the older instructors that were there. How, how old were you at this point when you were extended that invite? Um, I think I just turned 17. So, within, just turned 17, so within two years not having any experience around sailing, you go through the school, you become what it sounds like really good at it. I mean, to the point where the head of the school, the principal is a, hey, saying, hey, I'd like to have you on board as, as a teacher, like helping to teach others. That's, that's a huge milestone at such a young age. Yeah, and it was, it's, it's not that I was, um, like the school tried to keep everybody involved the entire time um, because in, in sailing, you know, you kind of, everybody, some people just reach a certain age where they're going, okay, I'm done with, I'm done with teaching. Um, I'm going to go like do real life stuff. So they constantly have to keep reintroducing, like introducing new instructors and that, and like giving us the trainings. And it was, and, and the school was great. It was amazing for doing that. It was constantly, you know, providing us with courses, whether it was like driving the powerboats or doing the, the keelboat courses, you know. Because we were just, I was just started doing the dinghy stuff, and then we started getting into the like slightly bigger boats. So they kept on like motivating us and like keep on like keep on at it almost, you know. Yeah, and for our listeners out there that may not be familiar with some of the terminology, what's a dinghy? Because <laughs> I mean, by the way, I love I love the word, uh, but what's a dinghy uh, type boat? Um, a dinghy type boat is just a small one to two person boat. Um, they're not they're not very big. They've only usually got about one sail at the start. Uh, like a typical dinghy that you start training in is called a topper, and then you work your way up to um, what's called a laser pico, and then you kind of go more advanced into lasers. So they're they're not big boats. They're just you know one person training boats that you start off in. Okay. And then keel boats keel boats are slightly bigger. They can take on anywhere from three to five people. 
and there's just it, they call it a keelboat because of the um you've got the hull of the boat and then underneath you've got a large fin and at the bottom of that fin there's a bulb and it's keel, it's keel and mm. it's the weight that keeps the boat balanced so if the boat leans over um, it doesn't flip over because you've got that weight underneath the boat constantly pulling it down. Got it. Interesting. And so on these particular boats, is there any type of motor at all or is it just a pure sailboat? Oh, uh, for us, it was just a pure sailboat. So whenever we were, we had to like be transported onto it with like the, with the speedboat from the school. And then, you know, we'd raise the sails on the, on what's called the mooring ball, which is just, just a bit of line attaching the boat to um, a buoy in the water. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a little parking space, but we would raise the sails there and then we'd have to like sail off that. Coming back into that little parking spot was always a little bit of a, always a little bit of a nightmare. Sailing onto a mooring boy your first couple of times is a little bit scary. Yeah. But you just got to keep on working at it and understanding the wind direction, how the boat reacts and you know, you eventually just get more and more comfortable with it. Yeah. probably just have to, it probably takes a certain um, understanding and, and a bit of uh, trust and the elements and how to navigate those situations, right? Because, I mean, it's kind of like swimming in the ocean. I mean, you think that you can really control it, uh, but you just, at some point, you need to understand how you're in the the environment of the water, right? The ocean. And so uh, you're not in control. <laughs> so you need to just yeah. understand uh, you're in a different environment and be comfortable with um, some of those ebbs and flows in the situation. Yeah, like the first thing that you have to you have to say to yourself is that you just ha- you have to respect the ocean and the water, and um, you can't disrespect it'll just bite you back at one stage or another. But it 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 just takes like going out there and sticking at it, and everything just slowly starts to make sense. You know, as if like light switches are going on. You know, oh, okay, when the wind's coming from this direction, you know, the sea does this. When it's coming from this direction, the sea is like that. Um, you know, the wind is very strong, you know, you just, it's, it's a real judgment kind of thing, but it yeah. all starts with just respecting the elements all around you. So fascinating. So bring us forward a little bit. You, you finished this school at some point, correct? Um, well, I've, I've been in, I was involved with it up until about the age of 22 where I, you know, I eventually got all my dinghy certificate or my dinghy teaching certificates. And I really had a major role to play in the school for a long, long time. I saw the school grow and um, even students that I had, you know, get up to an instructor level, and um, there there did come the time when I did have to have to leave because I had more. I had there was there was other things that you can do in sailing, and I had to go pursue that. I had to leave the nest. Yeah. So you venture out, and where was your next step at? Um, well, the next step was you know just getting more comfortable with yachts, and mm-hmm. um, so like when I got more involved with racing and. Um, you know, a friend of mine came up to me uh, when I was 22. He did a some he did a like he was skippering over in Croatia for a company called the Yacht Week. Okay, and you know that was that was then the next big goal of you know I want a skipper for the Yacht Week, which is just sailing a boat in Croatia. Which at the time I had no idea where Croatia was on the map. <laughs> you didn't know where it was that on the map. <laughs> I had no idea for a sailor. My geography was just terrible. Yeah. Um, but what was, was the pitch you know, from your friend? Your friend, you said he was 22 and he had pitched this or he'd mentioned it? Yeah, he, he had mentioned it to me. And, you know, he said, you know, Nick, it's, it's going out there. It's sailing big boats, which I wanted to do. Um, you're hanging out with like-minded people, which, you know, I was a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a bit of a social person. So I kind of like being around a lot of people. Yeah. And he basically sold it. You know, you get to, you get to basically just 
sail big boats and people are going to pay you for it. I was like, well, that sounds like an ideal job. (laughs) Sounds like a perfect story, right? In your warm weather. I mean, I'd imagine he told you it's probably fairly warm during some of these times. Oh, he said it was just like the weather is just beautiful. The water is nice and warm. You know, he said that I didn't have to get in the water in a wetsuit. And that was another major selling point. Yeah. So how do you get into this organization? I mean, at this point, he's piqued your curiosity, right? You're interested. You're, you're in. How do I get in? Uh, what are some of the next steps that, are, that occur in the process? So then I was already a, a dinghy sailor and instructor. And the next step was kind of getting the skipper license. So okay. I had to go and get what was called Orway Yachtmaster. And, you know, that was like just a whole lot of more studying and opened up a brand new kind of side to sailing that I didn't know about. Okay. And, you know, when you work with tides and you have to understand the weather better and there's all the procedures and all that. So I had to go and study that. And I went off and I flew and I did all my training down the Solent where I had an amazing, amazing instructors. I still talk to one of them, Richard Thisby, um, who's, who's still out there sailing. But, you know, once I got that licensing, then to work for the Yacht Week, you have to attend their quarter deck academy. Okay. And, and that was just, that's just kind of verifying their, your skills to them because they can see that you've got the license. But, you know, we've all seen people driving cars that probably shouldn't be driving cars. But. <laughs> I see them all the time here in California. <laughs> So that was like, I was just going out there for a week of training. And again, the instructors that were on that academy were just so good. And they just had, like, they had the knowledge of, of yacht masters, but it was more, there was more practical things that they were teaching me that I wasn't taught before. So, okay. you know, I, you know, I eventually, like I did that and we had, we had 10 boats uh, during that academy. And I think there was about a hundred, hundred other skippers that were there training as well. So. You know, I was also involved with this big community of people that were, were going for the same job. So we were all really excited. Yeah. And these are new type of boats. At, at this point, these are new boats to you, correct? I mean, you've, um, you know, you've never actually sailed on these type of uh, boats or the size. No, I never, never sailed anything that big. Like even when I was racing, the boats were still relatively small, but these were, you know, big yachts where, you know, like a fully functioning galley and a big fridge and, you know, bedding was everywhere. And I was like, Oh my God, this is huge. You know? Yeah. I think it was about, I think it was about 50 foot was the, was the boat that I was training on. Now that I think about it. And how old were you at this point? Um, I was just turning, I was 22. Um, yeah, I was turning, I was 22. Yeah. So within seven years, you go from the shores of Ireland to training in Croatia on yachts that you had aspired to from the beginning when you first saw them off the, off the shores of Ireland, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, impressive. absolutely. And it was, oh, it was just, it's, it's, it still blows my mind to this day that, you know, I'm, I'm working on the water and I'm working on these big boats all the time and they're only getting bigger and bigger as well, which is great. Yeah. So you have all the certification, then you go through Yacht Week's certification process and understanding their culture. Now tell us a little bit about Yacht Week. Um, Yacht Week is a flotilla company, um, and a flotilla is basically what we call just a large, um, large group of yachts that sail together. Okay. And its main thing is just kind of going out, exploring the islands of Croatia, and they'll, they 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 plan an itinerary. So they've got all these events organized and um, with parties every, each and every single day. You know, they give you a skipper, and the skipper 
and like navigates the waters for you, but also stops like swim stops and okay. you know, tells you information about the about the islands that you're going to. And they're like the skippers and hosts are also a tour guide that you that you're with for the whole week. And the companies in Croatia, Greece, Montenegro, okay, um, and the British Virgin Islands, and they do a route from Dubrovnik to Split, which is just an amazing route. Wow, it's just a lot, a lot of things. And are you on a particular route or have you done as part of the training, do you have to sort of learn how to navigate all of these routes because they might move you around? Um, you, you have a, you, you, the company actually gives you what we call the, the skipper Bible and it gives you all the information on that. And if you're just a regular skipper and you've gone through the training, um, what we've got is we've got uh, lead skippers who are experienced skippers in the area okay. who are in charge of looking after about, 10 or so skippers at a time. And then above that, you've got the route managers and they're the ones that are like planning everything and, you know, giving all the important information down that, you know, you as a skipper might not be fully aware of, but that's why we've got these experienced skippers on the route that share their, share their knowledge the whole time. So it's really a team. It's a, it's a team of uh, skippers that are working together to create an experience for what sounds like people from around the world come into this venue. Yeah. Yeah, um, we're a team of skippers, but we're all, we all call it, like, we all say that we're in the brother sisterhoods because we're all, it's not just work colleagues, like, these are people that you see each and every single day at their highest and, and lowest moments. And Yeah, so it's um, like a family. It sounds like it's a really strong family, a strong community. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I've just linked up with, um, when I was here, I said, hey, is anybody in New York? And just the next thing I know, there's, like, um, a bunch of people that I would have worked with maybe two or three years ago. They're like, Hey, I'm here. Um, let's meet up for a drink. So you're never, you're never out of touch with these people. Like if you're in the area, they'll always like meet up or open up their doors and like let you crash on the couch. So it's, it's a really strong bond that we all build up over the years. That's really cool. Yeah. There's, you know, uh, for such a, you know, organizations or, uh, professions or communities or groups where that happens, that's just such a really cool thing, right? Where you have that, those bonds are created through uh, the work that you're doing, the passion that you share, and specifically for you around sailing and uh, and those individuals. It's great that you've you've met so many great people uh, since the beginning, right? And now those people are part of your extended family. Yeah, yeah, we all we all stay in touch as much as we can. You know, I try and call a lot of my friends, and um, when I'm when I'm off the water and I'm kind of on land, I try and catch up with as many people as I can and. You know, try and find out what they're up to. You know, some because some people stick around for that week for a while, and some don't really stick around for that long. But you know, you always want to like keep in touch with these people, touch base with them. Yeah, so absolutely. We've all gone through a whole lot together, like through the highs and through the lows, and we've always motivated each other to keep on going, no matter what. Yeah, you have history; those memories, which are priceless, right? Uh you, you, you it's it's hard to describe it. You know, it's it, it is absolutely priceless. I love it. So tell us about the first time you get out to Croatia and, you know, you arrive, uh, you go through the training, you're getting prepared to participate in the Yacht Week, uh, become a skipper. And now tell us about that first journey for you, the point at which, hey, you're the skipper now and uh, you're participating in this this journey for a week. And uh, what was that like for you? I mean, uh, I would imagine this is probably the first time you're going around the islands and just experiencing the, the beauty of Croatia or wherever that journey was for you. Yeah, um, I can remember my first day so vividly. Um, I got to the check-in tent for Yacht Week where all the guests sign in. And when you're 
when it's your first time going out at like the, the event staff they give you your skipper shirt and I remember I just opened up the packaging for my skipper shirt and I was so excited to put it on I didn't actually undo any of the buttons so like I tried to put my head through I didn't have any of the buttons undone but that's how excited I was to like get out there and and meet like you know meet my guests for the first time um you meet these people and their expectations are you know like through the roof like they're ready for one of the best weeks of their lives and it was just like a constant buzzing off each other and then you know I did my first check-in and you know I sat down with the guy I was like look this is my first time taking a boat out and he was like they were just so nice from the get-go because I was just so open and honest with them and you know you do your first check-in of the boat and I had this beautiful Hansa 445 uh his name was Kazdi I'll never forget it for as long as I live and yeah you know you get your clients on the boat and everybody's so stoked and you turn the engine on you drop the lines and then and then you go out to the island and everybody's just, everybody's vibing off this new experience. Yeah. It's so it's so unnatural for a lot of people, you know, that, you know, you might not live near the water and, you know, they're like, oh my God, we're in, we're in Croatia. We're actually doing it. And, you know, I'm sitting there like, I can't believe I'm, I'm like, I'm getting paid to do this right now. You know, <laughs> probably felt like a dream for you, right? I mean, you're, this is several years in the making for you, right? Yeah. And through all that hard yeah, work and perseverance, and now you're actually on the yacht. And not only that, but you're in a beautiful setting. You have guests, and it ties into your social capabilities and your, your passion to interact with other people. So you have got to be on cloud nine at this point. Oh, I was just so, so happy to, to work as hard as I did. And, you know, I'll always think back to, you know, that first time I sat in that, in that classroom in my wetsuit and just, you know, it's like, I can't believe I've come all of this way. You know, I've, I've gone through like terrible weather, knocks on the head, being so cold where I can't like feel my hands or my feet. And then the next thing, like almost like in a blink of an eye, I'm skippering a yacht in Croatia. Um, and I'm just having my most ideal job that I couldn't even imagine when I started. That is incredible. And, and so that was your first time then seeing um, some of the beauty around Croatia and these islands, correct? Yeah, and what what made it so much more was all the locals that I was that I was meeting at the time. They were, you know, happy to see like you know people coming into the Croatia because at the time it wasn't all that well known. So like tourism was brand new. So like the, the people in the restaurants, um, you know, the people in the bars, they were just so welcoming, and that's what really like made me really happy about being there because the scenery was just beautiful but the people the people in Croatia are just so friendly and welcoming the whole time yeah and out of all the islands there which one is your favorite uh there's a beautiful island called Vis which is about 23 miles outside of you know mainland split uh, which is kind of in the central of Croatia okay and it's it's a beautiful island it's it's really quiet it used to be an old military island, so there's all these like cool little caves. And uh, I now know a guy really well. His name's uh, Tony. Tony runs a wine cave there, and the wine cave is actually built into like the old um, diesel generator plant that used to be there. And um, when the when the island got hooked up to mainland, okay. they took all the generators out. There was just this big space, and he just go like he makes all the wine there, local wine, really specific to Croatia. Okay. So the grapes are they're grown there on that particular island, or are they just grown in the surrounding areas? Uh, surrounding areas, Croatia is it's not it's it's a really rocky terrain, so it's a very particular grape called the Plavis Male. 
that grows there. Um, and I think its closest relative in terms of a different grape is uh, actually in California. But it's a really, really specific wine there that you can only get from there. Oh, man, it sounds delicious. We, we, we probably need a couple of the glasses of that right now. <laughs> oh, man. When, when you want to go over, I'll, I'll get the next flight as well, mate. We'll just spend time there at least. Yeah, that would be amazing. So that's your favorite island. Now, have you done some of the other routes as part of the Yacht Week? Um, uh, the only other route that I did at the time was the BVI, uh, which is the British Virgin Islands. But I'm actually one of the very few skippers on Yacht Week that has just stayed in Croatia. Okay. Uh, and I just I stayed there because it just became a second home. And I, once I got to know all the locals there, I couldn't imagine leaving them, you know? Yeah. So do you split your time between Croatia and Ireland or do you just primarily stay in Croatia and then that's your home base? And then when you're not, uh, you know, this, you know, part of the Yacht Week, do you just venture off then on vacation and holiday? Yeah. Um, I, most of my time was usually spent in Croatia and then I was going home and, you know, relaxing. But over the past couple of years, uh, like last year, for example, after my season finished in Croatia, I, I went home friend of mine just randomly popped up and said, Hey, what are you doing? And it was a girl that I worked with back in 2014. Okay. And I said, oh, I'm home. I'm just looking for some work. She said, well, we've got work here in Australia, like get a visa and get over here. So yeah. after that conversation, I applied for my visa. I got it approved in like 10, 15 minutes. Um, and then I was on a plane three days later going down to Australia and I was working on beautiful, beautiful boats, about 70 something foot long. And we were sailing around the Whitsunday islands and it's all national parks down there. Wow. Um, which is just great. Now, with your experience, are you able just to travel to a place like Australia or anywhere else in the world and just hop on any type of yacht and you feel 100% comfortable? Or does it still feel like, ah, I really need to pay attention and I'm still learning? Um, how much is just uh, pure familiarity versus you're still having to learn? Well, anybody who says they know everything about sailing is a liar because uh, there's always something new to learn. The, the boat that I was working on, like it's like they still sail the same, um, but there was like some little differences, like the winches and the winches are just big circular drums that you wrap the lines around. Yeah. Um, and they kind of pull in the sail and release the sail. But those things were about the size of my head. Um, and they had, they worked differently. And then the, the rigging, the, the ropes and all that, that, and the, the ropes that keep the, the mast up that was that was a different setup so there were some little differences that i had to learn but the the theory and the the terminology is all still the same just slightly different boat okay so yeah you you literally can sort of travel anywhere in this in this beautiful world of ours and hop on a yacht and you're pretty much good to go then you've got the baseline yeah yeah um like just the cv that i've got from all of the from all the years um all the training all that, you know, when I give my CV into an employer, they're just so blown away by it because, you know, I've, it, I've just always been on the water. I've never really done anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And especially at such a young age, right? So are you still yeah. trying to uh, achieve uh, or, or I should say reach a place where you're able to uh, be, the, be the skipper for even larger yachts? I mean, because I've seen some very large yachts out there, right? I mean... It's unbelievable. In fact, I just recently read that uh, Bill Gates has finally commissioned a yacht, uh, and the renderings I saw were just phenomenal. I, I mean, are you trying to get to that level where uh, some of these millionaires or billionaires are hiring you to sort of, you know, run their yacht, 
or are you comfortable where um, you're at? I mean, what's in, what's in your future? Well, I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at with, with the size of boats that I'm on, like 40 to 50 foot. Um, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm teaching sailing again in the BBI, but uh, I don't really have the drive to go onto those bigger boats because I know people that work on them and they just don't seem very happy about it all the time. Like yeah. it's long hours and it's like they get paid really well, you know, and the tips that they get are quite, quite high, but you know, they're just not very happy all the time. And I'm just happy being on like a small boat and um, popping into little bays, into little marinas and, yeah, you know, just having fun while I'm doing it, you know, running, running my own little boat. You know, Bill Gates is one is like, what was it? $500 million. And it's, it's actually the first hydrogen powered super yacht, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's yeah. what I read too. You know, you, you, you raised such a good point, um, uh, which is, you know, it is really understanding your niche, right? Understanding, uh, where you can be most effective, most passionate in your profession. And sometimes you don't have to go to the next level. Uh, you know, it's, you can, you can be in a place where you just feel alive. You feel like there's good compensation and you're living every day to the fullest. I really like the fact that you've identified that at such a young age, you, you know, your space, you know, where you're most happy. Um, that, that's fantastic because I think sometimes we lose sight of that because we're sometimes constantly chasing the money or chasing the status or trying to get bigger and bigger. Right. Yeah. Um, Money for me is always like, it's never really been the driving force. I always said to myself, as long as I can kind of eat whatever meal I want, then I'm always going to be like happy with the money that I get. But you're right. You know, I don't, you just got to be happy in what you do. And if you're not happy, you've really got to take a step back and say, what do I need to change? What do I need to, what do I need to fix to make myself happy again? And I always come back to, you know, why did I get into sailing? And it wasn't just because of the, it wasn't just because of the girl. It was just the thrill of just sailing a boat out in the water. Ah, that's just what always brings me back to it, you know? Yeah. Even as you, even as you said that about just being out in the water and sailing, I just have this image about how peaceful it must be. And the, in the views that you've seen, you know, just being on the water, either a sunrise or a sunset, uh, and just being out there and, and that calmness that you must feel at times yeah you know you i've seen i've seen a lot you know i even the like the time when i was like most at peace is i was delivering i was actually delivering a catamaran and i delivered the catamaran from turkey and i sailed it all across the mediterranean then all across the atlantic and you know you realize like when i was halfway through the atlantic i was like there's nobody around me and i, I was truly at peace i was with my own thoughts and it didn't matter what was going on what was going on in the world or you know, what, what was going on in politics. Like at that moment, it was like everything was just with my own thoughts. And I was just so happy to, to just be there. Yeah. That must be an interesting feeling in, in relationship to time, right? You must feel that almost as if time stands still because yeah. you're, you're out I'm, there and there's no one around. There's no hustle and bustle. There's nothing. There's just nature. There's calmness. There's, especially on the water, right? Yeah. You're just, you're just in the moment the whole time and you're not thinking of, what you've done in the past or what's ahead in the future. It's just, you know, I'm here now. Um, and you're just like, it's, it's just a different kind of sense that you get when you're out there in the water. Yeah. Have you ever ran into a real sketchy situation on the water? Um, one at which you felt um, just the opposite of peace <laughs> where you're kind of like, Oh boy. Um, 
<laughs> this is a very uncomfortable or you're concerned or there was some fear or there was a real sticky situation? Um, yeah, definitely being in those sticky situations. Like even, even now when I was in Croatia and, you know, the wind picks up and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, this isn't great. But like, you, you're allowed to think that, but you can never show it in front of your guests because if you're nervous, they're going to be nervous. So you've always got to have this sense of calm and, you know, you're thinking, right, I need to get, keep everybody safe the whole time. And, you know, I've, I've, I've been in, like, I've had the boat, like, blown halfway on its side and 50 knots of breeze and the rain is coming down so hard where I can't see the front of the yacht. But, you know, you're just kind of turning around to everybody and saying like, oh, you know, this is just a free shower, guys. Don't worry about it. Like, we'll be in soon. <laughs> just smiling while you're trying to navigate those waters, right? Yeah. yeah just, just keep on at it, you know. And it never it never lasts too too long, you know. And once, once you get through it, like your adrenaline's pumping and, you know, you drop the anchor or you, like, pull into a marina. And then you kind of take that, like, two or three minutes to yourself and just be like, everything is fine. Everything's all right. No problems. And you just come out at the other end of it, like doing, like having learned something might be something big, might be something small, but you know, you always come out at the other end of it, like pretty, pretty good. I'm fortunate enough to where I've never, I've never been like that badly injured and I've never had a guest that's been injured on one of my boats. So that's wonderful. And to your point earlier, right. You, you're always learning. I mean, you're always learning, and I, I think that's remarkable. And uh, I think that's a great attitude, too, is that you just, uh, every time you step on that boat, right, you know, obviously you have an understanding, every- but you also are prepared to learn something new and grow in your skill and understanding and appreciation for the water, right, which is super powerful. Yeah, um, I'm always learning stuff off my friends who are, you know, either on bigger boats, like whether it could be, you know, about better sail trim or about boat maintenance or engine maintenance, you know, you've just got to, you've just got to try and be a sponge the entire time and just take in everything. You know, even, even looking at, you know, how other people are parking boats. Like if, if let's say somebody was parking a boat and it didn't go very well, you know, you want to sit back and say to yourself, how can I make sure that doesn't happen to me? What did they do? that I've got to make sure that, you know, I don't do if I park a boat in these conditions. So turning positives in, or turning negatives into positives is also really important. Absolutely. And you know, what, what stands out to me with you, Nick, is that you've at a very young age, you've been a leader, right? I mean, you have worked tirelessly to get to where you're at today. And through that process, um, you've, you know, obviously shown a great deal of leadership to the point where, uh, people trust you to teach them how to sail and how to sort of raise the next generation. So with that said, what advice would you give to somebody that's listening to this that has either a thought about getting into sailing as a, as a hobby or maybe a profession uh, or somebody that's looking at this and in, in your story at such a young age, starting out at 15 uh, to where you are now at 29 and thinking, wow, that's remarkable. Um, what advice would you give to that listener? Just, just go in, get ready to have like one of the most amazing experiences of your life where you'll meet like-minded people who are going to enjoy being out in the water. Um, and there's just so much out there to see and do, um, like the islands that you can see, the people that you can meet. It's all just so exciting all of the time. And you'll never, you'll never be disappointed that you did it. 
I've never, I haven't had a student yet like come up to me on like the company that I'm working for now saying, you know, oh, I hated this. Like they're always so happy. They like pulled the trigger and, you know, came out sailing in the Caribbean. Uh, even the kids that are taught from like the youngest age of like seven to 10, where they're, they're a little bit nervous about going on the water. They're always so happy that they did it. You know, at the end of the week, they're crying because they didn't, they don't want to leave sailing. You know, it's just, yeah. you can enjoy it at any age. You just really just got to like accept the fact that you're going to get wet and then just go for it. I love it. And as we bring this uh, interview to a close here, uh, I have a few questions uh, towards the end. I'd like to ask a lot of my guests and I'm going to have one specific one for you based upon uh, how things started. But let me jump into the first question, which is what's the last random act of kindness that you did for another individual and how did it make you feel? Last random act kindness oh god when was that when did i do that um i suppose it was just being on yeah it was i was on yost van dyke um which is a little island in the bvi here and they're still they're still rebuilding after irma and irma as you know back in 2017 and the islands are still being built and i was sitting down with my guests and you know, we were just having like just a little bit of lunch and one of the, one of the random workers came over and just said, Hey, can you guys give me a hand? And he just needed hand, like, like help moving some of the big wooden panels so he could get on to like rebuilding the restaurants and the bar that, that they had. And, you know, we moved a bunch of them and at the end of it, he just goes like, thank you so much. And it was, it was just a, it just felt really good being in that community where I was just helping out. Like I'm living there now. So, you know, I'm helping, doing doing everything that I can to help rebuild it. I love it. That, that's fantastic. And you know, that's, you know, people's time and their ability to, to lend a helping hand just goes a long way, right? It's uh, it's something that uh, I love to see in societies. And that's, that's wonderful that you did that. Second was, question, if you could pick just one more country to visit in the world, where would it be and why? Hmm. I suppose... I suppose I've always wanted to go to, always wanted to go to Japan because the culture there is just, it just seems so different than the rest of the world. Yeah. Like it's even like a busier place, but you know, they're, they're so strong with their, their, their culture, what they've grown around with, you know, since I suppose it all started, but like everything there is just, it's so old, but it, and it's old, but it works like their old ways work. And, you know, they've still got the traditions of how they make this kind of food, which is passed down from generation to generation, which I think is, is lost in a lot of places, but yeah. it just seems really strong there. Yeah. You make a great point. Sort of those time honored traditions, right? Yeah. It just seems, they just seem to do it there. Now I could be, I could be wrong, but it's, 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 that's the impression that I guess. Excellent. Yeah. Japan is definitely a beautiful country. And my next question, I have to ask this because it really was the beginning for you um, on your journey to become, you know, get into sailing. What happened to the girl? <laughs> the time, <laughs> you knew you I had to ask that. this question. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody always asks the question. Um, I, like she didn't really stay at sailing much long after. I did send her a message about two years ago where I did say to her like, hey, just FYI, you know, if it wasn't for you doing that sailing course, I wouldn't be to where I am now. Um, and she said, I, I had no idea, but 
really appreciate the message. And I think she's still in Dublin um, doing acting. Sadly, we never got together. We never fell hopelessly in love. Yeah, and isn't it interesting how people come into our lives and they come in for at different times and for different reasons and they can fundamentally change and, and sort of shift the trajectory of our life. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's always going to have like a positive or very, very few times a negative effect, but you know, they're, you know, they're still part of your life in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. And my last question is where can people find you, Nick? Where are you at online? So in case somebody's listening out there, they want to uh, explore and get to learn more about you or connect with you. Um, well, you can always reach me on um, through Sailing Virgins. So that's the that's the sailing school that I work for at the minute uh, over here in the over in the British Virgin Islands. Um, but where, yeah, that's probably the best way to get in touch with myself or or any of the other instructors. We've all got like a fountain of knowledge yeah. that we'd love to share with people. And if people want to go out sailing, just just check us out and tell us us what you think and then get out here on the water and join us for a fantastic week out here wonderful well i want to thank you so much nick for sharing your story uh it's clear to me that uh you are one of the the few individuals out there has truly followed their passion at such a young age uh starting on at 15 to where you are now at a young age of 29 and still doing what you love and living this uh just beautiful lifestyle where you get to explore the islands get to meet and connect with people from all over the world. I mean, that is uh, definitely a dream job. Uh, so I want to compliment you and congratulate you on um, just a, a great life. <laughs> and uh, and hopefully uh, I can make it out to Vis with you someday and enjoy a couple glasses of wine or maybe a bottle, maybe a bottle or two. Uh, but I want to thank you for your time, Nick, uh, for being on the show. Oh, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure being on the show. And I hope you have a great time uh, in the rest of your stay in New York City. I will do. I'm definitely, definitely enjoying my time here. All right. And thank you.